1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth bringing you quality hunting packs and clothing at a price you deserve. Check them out at Huntworth Gear. Dot com, And you need to go on there and check out their heat boost. It is this uh, graphene technology that reflects the heat back into. And it's a lot less bulky than some of the other, war, uh, I guess, warmer clothing, the, the cold weather clothing. Um, really cool stuff available in the Tarnan and the Disruption patterns. Um, check that stuff out over at the Huntworth Gear uh, .com. Got to give a shout out to our latest Patreon, which is actually one of the sponsors. So the owner, Tim Zelinka, um, out of West Olive, uh, signed up a Patreon. So I was very uh, surprised to see that, but uh, we do appreciate it. And Patreon, you know, what that does is that supports the show. It helps us to um, do all the, um, you know, upkeep, hosting, all of that, um, the equipment, everything for the studio. And we try and give back as much as we can. So we do Patreon giveaways. Um, I, I got to get going on that. I'm not sure um, what we're giving away uh, from the podcast um, ourselves, but I don't work with any sponsors that uh, won't give back anything. So uh, thanks to Tim. And also, you know, that helps out for our Patreon hunt. So if you haven't signed up for that yet and you're, uh, one of the patrons, you're kind of out of luck. We're, we're running out of room. Uh, been up scouting, uh, working on the property, getting everything ready uh, for everybody to, to come and, and hang out. Got people coming from, you know, all over the country. Pretty, pretty awesome. Very exciting. Um, <laughs> very nerve-wracking on my part because, uh, you know, they're coming to hunt. God, I hope they're coming to hunt with Uncle Frank and John because um, I'm the world's worst bow hunter and uh they're asking me to guide <laughs> so i'm not a guide uh, but we are uh 
getting spots um, scouted. Um, they have the the area uh, doing some e-scouting, and uh, it's going to be uh, one hell of a deer camp, if nothing else. Uh, very excited about that. But like I say, Patreon is uh, crowdfunding for creators, and it helps us uh, give back and do as much as we can uh, for for everybody who supports the show and really do appreciate it. Couldn't do it without them. And, you know, so Huntworth is giving away um, one of their sets of the, the Houlton um, clothing. It's like, they call it their medium warmth. Um, it's not very bulky, uh, quiet, Sherpa lined. Um, I actually hunted in it last year. I uh, got it from the photo shoot. If you look um, on the, the Huntworth website, you'll see me. Uh, crawling around in the weeds uh, in that outfit and they let me keep it that was before we were sponsored by the show and I hunted with it all the way until January 1st um, and it was great um, great stuff and uh, really glad that that's what they decided to give away um, and they're giving away uh, a hand muff some gloves and a hat to go with it so it'll be that kind of uh, later season colder weather um, setup. Uh, Spartan Forge, Spartan Forge, um, you know, continues to innovate. They just had an update uh, on their app. Uh, if you check them out at SpartanForge.ai, it is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. Um, it's deer prediction software, but man, are they doing a good job with their mapping? And uh, it just continues to get better and doing a lot of scouting with that. And again, check them out at SpartanForge.ai, and they give away a year's membership. Um, every quarter, um, our friends with the uh, zingers, you know, they just keep giving away stuff. So they just keep contacting me and say, Hey, we'll give away a set of zingers. Um, you know, just, just to, just to be part of it. So, um, I've been shooting them. I've got their actual 3.0s that aren't out yet. I'm shooting the 2.0s. Uh, if you look, Parker McDonald just, uh, killed a buck or killed a doe down there. Um, I think he was in Tennessee, um, and he's got shooting zingers. Uh, Chris Leppert, who did the um, Mobile uh, Hunters Expo, uh, just shot a coyote with them. Um, they fly great, uh, great, great design, uh, especially for guys who don't like to, to fletch arrows. And then uh, Lucky Buck, uh, we, we planted um, their clover up in the UP um, when we went up there at the end of July. And the deer, you know, we got six, seven does on it every single night. And then um, in the evenings, we'll get some bucks cruising through there. But they're, they're mineral. Uh, the sites we set up early uh, earlier in the year are deer on them, deer on that in Missouri. And they give away either their mineral or that seed. And, uh, you know, if you guys, you know, are in a state where you can use mineral, definitely check that stuff out. Uh, but Lucky Buck gives that away. Um, and then I got to get with the guys from Latitude and big shout out to Alex Chop. He shot a slammer of a buck um, in Nebraska. If you haven't seen their um, their uh, post on social media, he shot a great buck. Uh, go and check that out. But uh, I'm going to be putting together a, a package with some stuff from them and uh, probably just another saddle package. Um, I'll I'll get that together here pretty soon. They they uh, had some hangups with their sticks and. Um, some other things so we'll, we'll put something together uh definitely but uh yeah patreon basically 17 cents a day you know helps out the show and uh 
we'll send you some stickers, send you a shirt, um, all that stuff. And for you guys who I haven't sent a shirt out of two, I, I think I owe one shirt and a sticker package. Uh, that's going out on Friday, shipping out a bunch of stuff. Sam, I'm going to send your um, uh, ring of steps out. And, uh, yeah, so um, check that out, patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. This podcast here is with uh, Bowhunter Chronicles, uh, with the Bowhunter Chronicles, uh, with the Deer Hunter podcast, Kevin Vistason, uh, another podcaster out of Michigan. Uh, great stuff over there. Check them out. We've been doing this. I think he started like a year before I did, and uh, things are going gangbusters for him. But uh, great podcast. You guys are going to love this one. Um, as always, enjoy the episode. All right, everybody. Adam back with another episode of the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. Sitting down with uh, a fellow Michigander, the Deer Hunter podcast. The Deer Hunter. If you take the podcast off of it, he would be the Deer Hunter, Kevin Vistason. So. Yeah, it was, it was a great movie. I don't know if you ever saw it, The Deer Hunter. Yep. Got my attention when I was young, walking through the video store. I was like, "Yeah, that sounds interesting." It didn't have much to do with deer hunting. <laughs> Not exactly, no. <laughs> so, how you been, man? We, uh, I was on your podcast here a month or so ago, and uh, just talking about prepping for the season. And for, from my standpoint, um, but how's things in your neck of the woods? They're uh, a little hectic, but I foresaw this coming just because the pace of that we're operating at right now. Like I foresaw in the spring. Well, I learned a lesson last uh, fall as well. And I didn't get myself into so much this summer. Just foreshadowing that I knew August would be here at the click of a finger and that I'd be scrambling to get things done so that I was ready to hunt. So first year, first time in my entire adult life, I didn't put my boat in. Uh, I never even took the shrink wrap off of it because... I'm just I'm pretty focused on uh, wanting to have a good deer season. I want to harvest many pounds of delicious venison. So that's going to require shooting quite a few deer. And, you know, young family, basically working two jobs. My wife works a, you know, full-time job. It's Kids are in multiple sports. Some get pulled in every direction. But uh, I'm starting to already really like dial down dial in like i've had my bow and my tree stand pretty much ready i got i've had all my gear ready to go for three months basically honestly like i got it all ready in the spring and it's been ready pretty much since tack you know i got my bows situated and all that so yeah man i'm i'm good i'm itching i'm gonna we're gonna participate in the early doe season i've never done that and so that's in like two weekends yeah, you're right. And then, and um, then uh, you know, right into it after that. For, from that standpoint, one thing I wanted to talk to you about because it's a, I want to get into your season and stuff like that. But like, how old are your kids? Uh, my son is seven, and my daughter will be two in November. Okay, so I don't think I've heard you talk too much, and you didn't mention it there about like the youth hunt. So where are you at with that, with your son, and like the the whole take on it? Uh, we're not. <clears throat> We're not doing the youth hunt. I don't know what my opinion is on it, really. I've never been a a, a cheerleader for early seasons. I kind of like the idea of everybody getting started at the same time. I don't know that kids need some special, you know, uh, th- 
I don't know. I'd love to see the numbers of the conversion rates of what that actually matters. Like the fact that they get a special two and then they're just another thing that they're used to getting special. I don't know if they need it, but families love it and enjoy it. And it's an opportunity for people to get out there. So from that aspect, you know, I don't know, man, it's hard for me to criticize it, but I guess personally, and here I go, you know, I'm just talking out of both sides of my mouth because we're going to do the early, the early dose season. And the reason really that we're doing that twofold, um, number one, I want to shoot six deer this year. So if I can get a, a jump on that and get a doe in the freezer before October 1st, then I'm going to feel like I'm doing something. Uh, two, I want to take my son on his first deer camp. So we're taking my boy. Uh, there's three other, my brother and uh, my cousin, and then my good friend, Ryan. Our sons are kind of all in that same wheelhouse uh, of age. Uh, they're, you know, between five and seven. So we're taking four boys and we're going to go up there and we're going to tent camp and cook over the fire all weekend. And the weather is going to be beautiful because it's mid-September. So it just seemed like the perfect little, and it's a, it's kind of like a, a uh, how do I say it? It's a low stakes hunt, right? We're going on a two day special doe antlerless hunt. So like, you know, for the boys, they're excited that they're going to deer camp, but they're more excited that we're going to go cook over the fire. They're going to set little traps for animals, shoot BB guns. We're going to do some man stuff. <laughs> and so they're pretty jacked up about that. And I'm, I'm, you know, <clears throat> I'm pretty excited about it to start introducing these guys to it. They're at the age. And I just figured this is the perfect entry point right here. Nice weather, you know, doesn't matter a whole lot. What, what, what happens if they make some noise, they, you know, they don't want to sit for, I'm not going to expect my son to sit for three hours and not move around. You know, <laughs> that's like a ridiculous ask. And I'm not too keen on the idea of bringing electronics out there. I don't think that that's a great idea. Like, those things are so damn addictive, dude. I feel I was just at the park and I saw this kid sitting on the swing for like an hour, just staring at a phone and all these kids are playing around him. And I'm like, oh my God, you're being robbed of your childhood, you, you kid. But that stuff's so powerful and, you know, kids get addicted to it. But that's why we're going, we're trying to find things to do that are actually more fulfilling and exciting than sitting around and being on electronics. So I understand that parents might want to bring those devices out there to keep the kid quiet. I mean, if you're on a high stakes hunt, I mean, dude, my kid had to be with me and it's November 8th. I might be sliding on my phone and be like, dude, be quiet. But this doe hunt, that doesn't have to be the case at all. And I, I expect the weather to be real nice. You know, we're heading up this weekend for the holiday weekend, Saturday night, the low is 49. So I'm like, oh man, like that's the cherry stuff for camping 70 and sunny during the day. Just you know, September, you're as likely to get nice weather as any month of the year, really. So here we go, man. We're taking the boys on their first deer hunt. Hopefully we smash a couple, uh, you know, big old nannies and get a jump on the season. So that's kind of where I'm at with it, you know, and if my son comes to me and he wants to participate in the youth hunt, I don't know, you know, am I going to say, no, we're not doing that. Uh, we're waiting until October 1st, like everybody else. I don't know. I, I, I don't know, to be honest with you ever. I'm not, I don't want to be too strongly opinionated in any, uh, <laughs> on any side of it. So I've, but I'm not scratching and clawing to get him out there and have him wreck some big buck on a summer pattern. I don't think that's a great 
expectation to have. Uh, if we're going to be Michigan deer hunters, it's a little tougher than that usually. So I don't know if we should set that as the, you know, the entry point. We grew up shooting arrows that didn't match and had, you know, equipment that was terrible and it forced us to become good because we couldn't rely on and fall back on the equipment, you know, I just want to make it, I want to make them suffer, man. I kind of want to make them, I want, I want to make them learn the hard way. You know, I feel like that's where the value is. So yeah, I don't know. I hadn't heard you talk about it. And so, you know, last year I was going to take my daughter out. I got a buddy that's got some killer private property and he wants her to go out there so bad. And so last year it didn't work out this year. Um, you know, she, she was all geeked about it. And so got the guns out today and she's shot guns before, but she's like, why can't I use my bow dad? And I'm like, well, cause your bow won't stick in the 3d target, let alone like kill anything. And she was shooting and she wasn't real comfortable with the gun and not, I was like, well, you need to shoot better if you're going to go and kill a deer and she's like well why why don't i just wait until next year and i'm like that's fine she's like she's like but i don't want to let you down i'm like like i'm proud of you for saying you're not ready to go like don't think that i'm pressuring you into like you have to go hunt i just want to spend time with you and you know right you know so i don't want my hunting to like take away from our time i don't want it to be seen as like a you know, sure. how come you're always gone, you know, but right. you talk about that deer camp thing over Thanksgiving. That's what we do. My brother's been taking his son. And then we took all the kids last year up UP, no internet. Like there's a TV up there, but there's an outhouse and it's, you know, there was six or eight inches of snow and, uh, killed some does up there and made the kids drag them out. My nephew's nine. He gutted the one. It's awesome. Um, we cooked up the heart and ate the heart and all the, yeah. kids, you know, just like that was like it, when you were saying that, like, that's where it took me because like that, it, uh, that's something that I've missed. And I think, you know, when we do these, it's not, uh, you have a pretty good like rifle camp, but when we do these like hard hunts, like these, like, it's awful to go back in there. Like your buddies aren't usually coming with you when you're slogging way into the swamp and all that stuff. And it, it becomes more and more of a, a solo adventure, like sure. to some degree. Um, and so that, that's awesome to, you know, be getting them involved with that from, from like such an early age and especially with, you know, the cousins and then, you know, your buddy Ryan's kids, like that's something that they can do for, for decades. And they'll always go back to that. And, you know, for me, not being much on the rifle side of it anymore. Like that was something that I was really missing was the camp. Like it was freaking awesome. And even if, you know, 90% of the camp was under 10 years old, you know what I mean? Right. It's all that. Um, I don't know that fresh blood, like that excitement, like, you know, the excitement on your kid's face is just being up there doing that stuff and be like, like, I've got a buddy that uh, in Virginia who does the same thing, but like when the kids cross the bridge to the UP, like they can swear mm-hmm. is the swear words in the worst ways. Like that's not how that word is supposed to be used, but that's fine. Say it however you want to, you yeah. know, and that's their, their Mecca, you know, like, can we go up? Yeah. 
we're across the bridge. Could we swear now? <laughs> Let them rip. It's it's deer camp. So like for you with your what you were laying out for um like your season and wanting to shoot six deer, like what does that look like? Cause you kind of bounce back and forth between like really big woods and then you hunt some like property down near you that's like some private, right? And yeah. like too, but so what is your like like season? How does it lay out? Yeah, what's the plan for getting six yeah. deer in the freezer? So yeah, I have uh I'm fortunate my family has a small farm here in St. Clair County, southeast Michigan. It's 80 acres. Uh in hindsight, when I was young, it was man, if I knew what if I knew how to hunt when I was growing up on that farm, like I do now, I would have some wall hangers. There was a lot of big deer around there. Uh it was pretty undeveloped around them. But you know, those days have come and went and now it's pretty developed around them. It's almost like a neighborhood. Like my grandpa has probably one of the last larger tracks, everything else. Now, you know, my grandpa has an 80 acres and around him is pretty much all like tens, twenties, fifteens. And every person that lives basically on you know, a 10 or a 15 or a 20 has one or two ladder stands in their backyard. Maybe they got a spin down corn feeder running. Maybe they got some food plots in. Maybe they don't hunt, but they shoot handguns off the deck a hundred rounds, you know, every, every evening, everybody out there is, uh, out in the woods and it's really noisy. And most of the good bedding areas now have homes residing in them where there used to be a lot of good bedding areas right around the farm and the deer would come through the farm all the time. And we had the best food source within two miles, really. There's not another, there's not another bean field or corn field for two miles and uh, real good. There was real good bedding around the farm. I mean, we had hundred couple 150 inch deer, uh, you know, around every season, three or four, you know, 130, 140, 150, there'd be a handful of deer like that in there every year. But I haven't seen a deer like that outside of in the middle of the night, just cruising through in the rut. And I run a lot of cameras. There's one or two of them around every now and then, but they disappear. I don't know if they get hit by cars, they get poached. I never hear about them getting killed. Very rarely do any of the big deer that I get on camera around here, do I hear about them getting killed. So I know we have some poachers in the area um, historically, and there's a lot of traffic. So I think there's a lot of car deer collisions. So uh, I guess what I'm getting at is I, I do have access to 80 private acres and it's woods and it has a bean field and I do a little food plot and I really used to enjoy the property management aspect of it. But, you know, I thought I was the second coming of Mark Drury and I'm going to, you know, plan a green to green transition. And then all of a sudden this monster buck. And I did that for quite a few years. And I was like, this isn't working how they say it's supposed to work. And then I, you know, I got old enough to realize like, oh, they live in a completely different environment than what I do. You know what I mean? So I still do my little food plot there. I have two tree stands up. I have two cell cams running. I do not have even what I would call a jimmy buck on i've got a couple year and a half old 
uh, maybe six or four points or whatever that have been hanging around and a handful of does. So my plan there is to take one or two deer off that farm. Maybe a buck slips in uh, here in the summer to fall. There was a couple, there was a couple around last year. There was a 10 point that was 104 out. I've asked quite a few people. Uh, I had Kurt Geyer look at some videos for me and he's scored deer for a long time and he's pretty good at it. And he said mid one forties or low one forties, 10 point. And so, you know, I know that that deer made it through the season, but I also kind of know where that deer lives and the chances of me ever seeing him during daylight are like, I don't know. They're terrible. They're as bad as they get. Like he's quite a distance. He's a half mile from our farm. I don't know why in the world he would ever, but you know, Hey, maybe he shacks up with a doe one night and he decides that he's going to spend the day there and, and he slips up and I run an arrow through him. So I'm always trying to be optimistic. Uh, and it's 15 minutes from my house, but obviously my love and my passion is going up North and getting away from the noise and the people, all that stuff that I said that I can't stand my, like a, complete objective is to get as far away from that as humanly possible and try to find a concentration of deer. And I always like to make sure that I'm looking at everything to see that there's, you know, I feel like I'm in a position that I'm going to run into a bigger deer. I've shot a shitload of two and a half year old deer. Um, I don't really feel like I need to do that anymore. Personally. I mean, I've probably shot a dozen, 10 or a dozen nice, you know, the nicer two and a half year old deer is the ones that like, it'd be nice if people wanted to pass those deer. Cause they get one more year and they get into the 120 inch class and there it's, it's a different animal from two and a half to three and a half. And what I'm into is the face uh, short face bucks. That's why I started calling them, man. I've shot a lot of them. Uh, and you know what? It's cool. If you're on a one or a two day or a th- extended weekend and you got to run up North, uh, Personally, I would rather for a very long time shoot a short face buck and have him in the back of the truck and come home as a successful hunt. But I've done that for a very long time. And now I'm really looking for that three and a half year and older deer. And uh, I'm not discriminatory against basically any doe, nice doe that, uh, you know, unless I'm through some nasty swamp where I was like, but you know what? Honestly, I say that, but then in the heat of the moment, I'm like, well, she's just standing there, you know, all broadside and everything has no clue. I'm here. Let me just see if I can get drawn, you know? And then it's just like, it's like a cat chasing, chasing a laser pointer when they come in, you know, I'm just like, ah, I freak out. And next thing you know, the things tipped over 40 yards uh, away from me. So, you know, that's kind of what my, season is going to be like, I'm going to try to get up North. I've got kind of a range, like the closest South to me is, is really, honestly, it's two hours and 45 minutes, the three hour drive. And then I'm anywhere from there to four and a half hours, uh, depending on which way I head up. And then in between those two spots, you know, there's, it's an hour drive basically. So I'm kind of, at the south end of my range, the north end of my range, and and all through it, and I've kind of just starting to narrow down areas where there's more deer, uh, the habitat's better. I've really got into river bottoms, 
And I've always loved swamps. I just think they're awesome and they're super fun to hunt in and just feel like you're always going to see a giant buck, even though most of the time you never do. Uh, but river bottoms have had my attention the last couple years and beaver ponds and a lot of water structure that makes deer do things like re- repetitively over and over again. It's a little easier to start to read the landscape. And so I, I focused on that the last couple of years and I've got a couple spots this year that I'm, I'm pretty excited about. I had a mature 10 point, uh, in Northern Michigan back off this beaver pond and it's a, it's an awesome spot. And he's like, he's an older deer. You could tell he's fighting like his eyes, like scarred over and like all white, like fogged out. Like his eye, that thing's not working well for sure. Uh, but he's gnarly looking. And, uh, I had that deer on camera, like November 8th, November 9th in the middle of the day, right over to scrape. So, you know, it's kind of, a, I'm taking notes on that because I, you know, nothing happens to him. I assume he might repeat that behavior this coming season. And then I hit a big deer last year. I didn't recover it. I didn't get through the shoulder long story. Uh, but basically I clipped the tree limb arrow, got all squirrely, lost all its energy, hit the deer square in the shoulder, mature animal didn't make it through the shoulder followed an excessive blood trail for a long ways through swamp out the other side into a cattail marsh and then into a river bottom ultimately. And he led me to like the big buck layers, what I'm basically calling it. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know, our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So uh, I went in and checked that out in the spring, and it's it's legit, as legit of a spot as I've ever basically come across up there. So I got three spots up there this year that really are going to have my attention. And I think, you know, that's not even including, I bought property up North and there's a bunch of deer on that property and there's really good hat. There's a river bottom literally back behind my property. It's all bedding. It's all state land. It's all bedding river bottom, beaver pond. And then my property is the property that comes up and it's all oaks and acorns dude it's ridiculous it's so good but uh i haven't had time to really get up there and scout it and these other things i have a pretty good finger on the pulse of where and when some deer are going to be there so i don't know how much i'll i'm gonna I've, i've got um a lot of my camera assets are 
are uh, allocated to the new property this year uh, going to help me learn what I need to. And then going into next fall, I assume I'm going to have another you know, spot that's going to be a good producing spot. I've heard from some local people that the deer hunting in that area is real good. And I see good sign and uh, some buck sign and everything. So uh, I'll be up there in a couple weekends. I got some chainsaw work to do. I'm going to sneak out in the morning and make a couple mock scrapes, throw a couple cameras up. I got one, two going right now. I got an SD camera over a scrape. And then I've got a cell cam that's actually set up more to monitor the comings and the goings of my property for security detail, but I might've set it up in a little bit of capacity. So I might catch some deer slipping through too. So I've, I've seen a couple nice bucks on there and uh, a lot of does, a lot of does. So yeah, I think that's going to be real good too. So it's just about getting up there. You know, the time is always tough. I'm taking some time off in October going up with uh, the hunting beast and in fault and a crew. We're going to do a little camp up there. And then I want to do the fall colors with my family. We did that last year. You know, I want to take the kids up there for a weekend and that's right in the middle of October, kind of in the lull. So not too high of a, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm losing out on any, like the best part of the season. And I, I want to get up there and just prioritize spending some time with them so that they can enjoy, you know, that. So we'll do that. And then I don't think I'm going to go up for a gun opener this year. It's on a Tuesday. My on-call schedule just worked out to where I'm on call that week. So I'd have to monkey around with switching weeks with somebody. It's kind of a headache. Nobody ever volunteers to want to switch, uh, which is understandable. And then I'll owe someone a favor. So I think what I'm going to do is actually just take opening day off, have somebody cover that day for me, which is a lot more doable. And I'm going to hunt down here, which I haven't done in a lot of years and then i'm gonna go to uh, dick hoovars every year does the does like a big buck pull michigan out of doors goes there every year and they do like their big buck pull and stuff so that's only like 20 minutes from my house um we go to richmond often in the morning for breakfast right across from dick hoovars so it's kind of local for me so i'm thinking i'm gonna do that uh this year and then i'm gonna try to get back up i might try to go up thanksgiving week to gun hunt and then i'll definitely do a muzzle loader we 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 always do a big we always do a big late season camp just a gluttons for punishment to go up there and get pounded by shit weather and not see any deer but we tend to have the most fun on that weekend out of all the weekends of the deer camps all year it seems to lend itself to a good time i don't know why so with all that like i got a bunch of things so i got questions about like going up hunting the big woods and like prioritizing your, you know, like how did you kill all of those, uh, two and a half year olds or whatever? Like what, what kind of led you to that, um, to your success. But before I, before we get into like the, that part of it, like for you with like, okay, try to kill six bucks and you're going to be bouncing around to all these spots. And, you know, the way you say that your property sets up, like it sounds ideal, but like, are you a guy that is, um, like success first driven or do you enjoy the, the hunt, the chase, the suck of it all? Cause like, that seems great. And if I were to walk a mile and find that I'd be like, fuck yeah. But if it was like 
400 yards behind my property and I could just walk out to a ladder stand and, you know, shoot a three-year-old and then that would be my morning the first morning that I was up there. I mean, right. you know, I'm, I'm more on the, like, enjoy the suck part of it than, it, than like the just success first, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I'll take the gimmies because I don't <laughs> get a lot of them. And I, you know, I'm definitely guilty of putting the odds against myself. That's for sure. I've done that for forever. Like, why do you go? I mean, there couldn't be any less deer there. I'm like, that's where I'm going. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I like both angles of it. Um, I've prioritized venison. It's a big deal for the way my family eats now. And with the rising costs of groceries and health, high quality food, I mean, it's asinine. So, you know, last year I shot four deer. I shot four doe last year. And they were gone by the end of June. You know, we didn't have an ounce of deer meat left in the house by the end of June. You know, it actually, I think it was actually the end of May that we were out. I think we were out by, like, by the time barbecue season kind of rolled around, we were out of venison. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. We're not doing this again this year, you know, but we eat a ton, we eat a ton of it. So... I'm going to try to shoot six deer this year. And I think that looks like five does and a good buck. I mean, in my, you know, if I'm going to fall asleep tonight and fantasize, uh, have a wet dream, as they'd say about deer hunting, I'm shooting a three and a half year or older Michigan buck and five does with super short blood trails. That's a big deal uh, for me over the course of the last couple of years. I, I'm, I'm not particularly great at blood trailing. Um, it might be a patience thing. Like, I'm just like, I just want to find it. You know, um, I've had some tough and it's the train too. you know, blood trailing and cedar swamps and cattails. It's, it's just brutal. There's a lot of changes in the landscape real quick where, how I hunt up there. So, you know, you get used to looking for a certain something and then that train feature changes. And then, I mean, I've just, I've really grown to appreciate a short blood trail, a real good short blood trail. Oh, they, the bad ones stress me out, dude. I don't want to be involved with them. So that, that's a big factor for, um, for me over the course of the last couple of years, which honestly has just kind of made my, it's made it easier for me to feel successful. I don't feel like I need to go out and shoot a big giant deer every year to consider myself a successful hunter, even at the fact that i create content and most people in the space they're like big buck this big buck that he shoots giants like it drives the whole thing right i've i'm just not really caught up in that personally um which is great because i live in michigan we don't have a bunch of those deer uh if i'm being realistic but i take a lot of pride in uh making a just a perfect shot and that animal going down within hopefully within 75 yards so that has really grown on me um, because let's be honest, it happens. I mean, I've, I've been deer hunting for a long time. I shot a lot of deer. I've, I've put a, you know, an unacceptable amount, in my opinion, of bad hits on deer. Now, over the years, it gets lower and lower. Um, last year, I smoked every deer I shot. It was awesome. I know it won't always be that way, but when it is, when it does work out that way, I am just dude, I'm jacked up. Like 
I went in on state land, uh, hang and hunt, never sat a spot. Uh, you know, just went in blind with a stand on my back. Now, mind you, I grew up a bait hunter on private land, right? So um, that's how I grew up deer hunting, out of a shack, over a pile of bait. That's how we did it. That's how I learned. That's how I grew up. And it's been a rough transition. But last year, I, I went into a piece of public land. I, I was in there in the spring and scouted it. And I actually took my stand and sticks and I prepped a tree in the spring. So it'd be a lie for me to say I went in and hadn't seen it. That's not true. I had to go in and do a little bit of trimming and uh, find the exact spot. But I did that in the spring. I marked it with reflective tacks, dropped my pins, dropped my breadcrumb trail so that I could get in there in the dark. And that's exactly what I did. I took off out of the cabin in the morning. I burned a mile down the road, went in on some state land, hiked back in, I don't know, half mile maybe, uh, hung. And by, we were leaving that day to come home. My wife wanted me home by. 10 o'clock, you know, to get the kids packed up and get the cabin closed up and head home. So I thought, yeah, that's, that's generous and fair. Uh, nine 50 here come, here comes a doe, like walking right in front of me and another one and another one and another one. And, uh, I ended up having six does come walk past me at like 15 yards, you know, and I did see some deer in the distance earlier in the morning, but I don't know, three or four of them. So, you know, I saw around 10 deer going in on a hunt and I shot one of those does right through the lungs and she ran 60, 75 yards and piled up. And by 10:30, I was, I actually, what I did is, uh, I didn't want to drag that deer out and leave a blood trail and have somebody track that back into my stand. So I actually took a wheelbarrow out there and I loaded her in a wheelbarrow and I didn't leave a drip drop of blood. Like when I came out of that low stuff and got onto the highland, I, you know, that worked out pretty good. If I had drugged that deer, I mean, it would have one, it would have been a, a, a lot of work. Uh, but my primary concern was, I was like, if I drag this to the front of here, I know other people are hunting here. They are going to see that blood, you know, there, there's a great chance they're going to follow that back. Cause there's a local population there and I'm not in on it. Right. Like I don't live there. I'm not a local. And there can be some resistance there. Uh, they definitely tried gar hole me. So there's no deer out there, you know, and I play stupid, you know, I'm like, Oh, do you guys like Turkey hunt or deer hunt out there or anything? You know, do you run cameras or whatnot? I know where all their stuff is when they're coming and going for the most part. Um, but they don't even know that I hunt out there. I walk down the road at night with the headlamp. I've never run into one of them out there. Um, and uh, they've hunted there for a while. So long story short, uh, that wheelbarrow strategy was effective. I didn't tip them off of my, uh, and they didn't run into me luckily while I was barreling a, <laughs> a deer uh, out of there with the, with the family. It was actually probably be a pretty good uh, little, little video uh, to see. But yeah, man. So if I can get a good buck killed and get a handful of does killed and in the freezer this year, it'll be uh, a successful season to me and in the future if there's a consistently like big deer on my property and they're using a train feature i don't know that i'll have a ladder stand that's not really my style <laughs> but I, I might have a bigger cast you know like uh whatever well, i'm trying to remember what the name of the 
bigger Novix stand, you know, it was the formerly Lone Wolf, the was it the Alpha? Was that their bigger platform? I don't know. I thought that was the because there was a, the Assault and the Alpha. So it must I have think been. the the Assault is the smaller, more yep. portable stand. Yep. Yeah, I think the Alpha is the bigger one. Well, Novix has a stand, the uh, Echo, I think it's called. It's it's almost identical. And I have a few of those. So I would probably set one of those up there. And yeah, man, I'll take I'll take advantage of that. You know, like I said, I kind of missed out on our farm. I just wasn't to the age yet to understand what I had in front of me. There was big deer around. One of the neighbors shot 170 some inch deer. He's got the rack. You know, he shot it right out back there. I think he shot it actually in the late 70s. But so the genetics were there and the the habitat was there. But with development, like I said, there's houses in all the good bedding areas. I don't, I don't have that opportunity down here. Um, but as I progress as a, a mobile hunter, I get more optimistic that I'm going to start. You know, I was consistent for a long time shooting, like you mentioned, the two and a half year old deer. I got pretty good at that. And now I'm just venturing into the next, into the next tier. You know what I mean? So when you're up there, like in the big woods, like kind of like monotonous terrain, you know, so we're doing this, uh, Patreon deer camp and it's in this, like, I don't know, there's a lot of pine, a lot of Oak flats, not a lot of like rolling Hills, although I did find some, and then there's some river bottom and stuff like that. Like, how are you breaking down like those giant areas? Like, cause I know where you go, you know, you talk about going up to the pigeon is huge, right? Yeah. So it's like, how do you look at that on a map and like, what's giving you like, you know, if you, if you kill a dozen two and a half year old bucks, like you got to have something figured out as to like how they move or use the terrain. Right. So yeah. like, what's the biggest things that you're looking for in that, that kind of monotonous big woods style? Well, anything that you can stand on the ground and look and see more than, you know, if you can kind of consistently turn, if you can turn a circle and just more consistently see more than 50 yards, that's probably not a spot that uh, uh, any, I mean, Michigan deer, year and a half old deer that with horns on their heads get smart pretty quick and they understand, uh, you know, thick cover. I heard uh, somebody say one time, they always like to have something touching them. You know what I mean? So if you kind of visualize that, uh, any of the big um, mono agriculture or environment, like you say, like a big stand of maple or a giant stand of oak, unless I see something within it that interests me, like a small bump in elevation, like an islander, it's going to be a little different landscape where I suspect it could be bedding. I'm not spending any time even walking in there. I'm walking the edges of where it can be very subtle or it can be very harsh, a transition, but the deer are going to be there over anywhere else. Um, whether that's a different type of tree growing or a cut that got cut 10 years ago and is right up to uh, mature timber or pines transitioning to an oak flat, like that edge is always where they're going to be traveling. So. I guess, uh, I don't think that's anything like uh, groundbreaking. That's right. Pretty standard procedure for most guys to understand. I think at this point is that deer like transition and they love heavy cover. 
And so really, even when I gun hunt, I gun hunt kind of like I bow hunt, you know, I'm right in on the edge of heavy cover, uh, typically in a place. Uh, I love funnels. I'm always looking for funnels. It's got to be a funnel, like for whatever reason at a macro level, I like to see funnels and at a micro level, you know, and there's a, a bunch of different areas in between that, uh, big ones and then you know whereas like hey there's open field 200 yards over here and open field 200 yards over here they're going to be in this 200 yards but within that 200 yards there's some transition or whatever where you can find you can you know if you're a good hunter you figure out like the deer more than likely than anywhere else they're going to use this 10 yards you know, so that's kind of trying what I'm trying to get in on top of. And, uh, I like it up there for that reason. That's why I like river bottoms. Cause like I said about that repeating itself, you know, it's, they got, they want to, they got to get across or they, and they got to travel. And so that provides an obstacle for them. And they're always looking for a way to deal with that obstacle. Well, once you know what they're looking for and you can find it, you go there and at the, the sign's either there or it's not, you know, there's going to be deer sign hundred percent, but you know, depending on how good it, it looks. So, uh, I've done that for years. Um, another way, a reason that I was successful is just being ridiculously stubborn and hunting more than everybody else, like not coming in for lunch, uh, being out there a little bit earlier, uh, calling in sick, whatever I had to do to prioritize deer hunting, uh, I would, I would kind of do that. So just by sheer force bull in China shop, um, and being stubborn, I killed a lot of deer while guys were up eating, having a bloody Mary and a, a warm meal. And I'm sitting out there freezing and, uh, yeah, harnessing, taking in the suck. And that's when I've killed a good amount of my deer late morning, late morning, rut phase, you Everybody goes in, I mean, 10 o'clock to lunchtime. I don't know what the percentage is of hunters that bail out of the woods, but do the deer live there? They know that. I feel, I feel like that is the case. Just, I've seen it so over and over again where I hear everybody leaving the woods. And then sure enough, 30 minutes later, here comes a buck walking through. So that late morning and just being able to sit in there, um, I think that I'm, I don't know if it's patience or it's just the fact that I enjoy it so much, but a lot of time I know people maybe struggle to be out there for a long time, but dude, I'd never come in. I'll just, I, I'm so happy if I get in a mental position where I feel like I'm wasting my time or something, I'll get down and move. That's the joy about mobile hunting. You know, if I'm like, oh man, I'm not feeling, I'm not seeing deer, you know, this isn't what I thought it was going to be, What change that let's go. Uh, and just uh, implant or, you know, um, taking that in, uh, there's been a lot of times where I was like, this doesn't feel good or I'm not seeing deer. I need to move. And I get down and move and maybe later that afternoon or maybe the next morning, what do you know? I kill a deer cause I find better sign. Uh, that's been a repeating factor for me. And I'll be completely honest too. I shot a lot of two and a half year old deer off that farm. Uh, I was young and growing up a two and a half year old deer around there is hundred and 15 inches or so, you know, it's not a bad looking deer, 
uh, and the ones that had better genetics, you know, there's some that were, you know, right around, uh, right on, right around that 120 inch. So shot a lot of those deer. Um, if I hadn't, I probably would have shot a lot of three and a half year old deer, <laughs> but I just never really, I never really was hyper-focused on that. I was, I was more hyper-focused on just, like I said, dude, like the, when you click the laser pointer in front of the cat, the cat is just programmed to chase that thing. And when deer walk in front of me, I just kind of, I just kind of have to feel like I have to shoot them sometimes, but I'm getting better at managing that. You know, I'm almost 40 now. I've been doing this for, I don't know what it is, 26 years or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. 26 years. I think I've been bow hunting. So every year is a, a learning thing. And, uh, this one, this, I assume that this year is going to be, this year is going to be a big one. I feel like last year was, a last year was the first year where I went in to a spot pretty much completely blind looking for a deer for a reason and sure as shit when he was supposed to be there, he was there. I was there and I should have got that deer killed. Um, and I can explain to you in hindsight, what, where I messed up and why I messed up and how maybe small of a mess up it was, but it cost me what would have been the nicest archery buck, a mature Northern Michigan buck coming out of the swamp, cruising around November 7th, looking for does 1030 in the morning, walking on the trail that I suspected him to be walking on because he was looking for does, uh, on the downside wind or yeah, on a downside wind of, uh, swampy low bedding area where I knew these deer were coming down out of the Hills and the does were bedding just right inside that swamp. Cause there's oaks all over, but that woods is pretty open and yeah, man, that was a big deal for me. Uh, I've never, I don't think I, I've ever done that before. That was the first time where I was like, man, ever I did everything right. And I, it happened, but you know, you, you just can't make the littlest mistake on those deer on those, on those big deer, like a, a Michigan public land, mature deer. You're not really afforded a, a mistake. I mean, obviously they screw up when, when that time of year and he screwed up. You know, I was there to capitalize on it. And I just a little bit, a little bit more, man, is that uh, is, I'm getting worked up thinking about it. <laughs> God, that was a nice deer. Um, but I look, he, you know, maybe he did me a favor. Um, I learned a lot after that and from that. And I feel like the spot that he awarded me for not taking him home is going to be a producer for a long time and it's so cool it's so cool back in there like it's remote hard to get to no matter how you spin it it's hard to get to uh and i i think even at that it would be overlooked too at the same time uh on a map it doesn't look like a a whole lot but uh the bucks like it so when you got down in there um and that was one of the things I was going to ask you, you know, so this like, you know, buck Haven or whatever you were calling it, big um, buck layer, big buck layer. Yeah. Um, what, how does it lay out for the bucks and like what, when you get down in there? Cause I feel like if you've been scouting enough times and like you go in, in somewhere, 
like you get somewhere and you're like, this is it. Like, like you, you, there's just a different feeling that comes over you when you're, you're like looking around and you're like, I can kill a buck right here, like right here. Yep. And like, I've had that a few times. I was scouting one earlier this year with a guy and I'm like, I'm like, this is where you're going to kill a buck right here. Like this is, this is it. But then there's other places where you go and you know, for me, a lot of times it would be like in season like that. You'll go somewhere and you'll just see, you know, rubs everywhere, scrapes everywhere. And you're like, these bucks are spending a lot of time right here. So like this, your big buck layer, is this like a, a bedding area type for like, like bucks, or is it just a, a, a nice like transition area where they can scent check a lot of different places? Like why are they there and what are they doing? They are there because it connects a series of bedding areas over a vast, large area. It's A, the easiest route of travel for them, and B, it's the kind of cover that a buck just likes to sneak around in. You know, he doesn't want to be out in the open, but he also wants to be able to move around a a little bit. And so... What this is, is basically it comes down out of mature forest, timber, mix of everything, uh, and it's big. It comes down into this river bottom, and in that river bottom, it's all tag alder. It's thick, but the deer have their trails and their paths kind of, I mean, you know, it looks like a horse trail in there because one, it's a river bottom, so it's soft, right? But two, it's thick. So they have their their few paths that they use and they're not gonna they're not gonna be 10 yards to the left or 10 yards to the right. It's too thick. So they're gonna be on those those travel paths. And if you're down at ground level, you can't see 10, 15 yards. But when you get elevated, you can see over a a decent amount of that, you know, that tag alder. And then on the other side of the river bottom is a vast, large cedar swamp. So there's little bumps of elevation all within side. I mean, they can bed right inside the cedar swamp, wherever they find whatever they're comfortable with for a wind or whatever reason, does, bucks, all deer, they're going to bed right inside that swamp. And then they can, the bucks in the rut can pop out and walk right up and down that um, river bottom and they can check all the trails basically coming in and out of there, going up into the timber or into the cedars. So it's just, uh, it, it really concentrates a bunch of deer activity. And in the rut, they, the deer, the bucks have cover and they can, they can cover a short distance and get a lot of information and not really leave security cover. And I mean, they could co- they can go for miles, miles and not come out of thick security cover, you know, and then that eventually wraps up to, uh, you know, even a bigger bedding area, I guess would uh, at the West end of it, I'm, I'm trying to do justice to explain this to you, but <clears throat> specifically the spot that I picked is where I found the most concentration of sign. So like I said, there's these paths that they, they have kind of worn into the landscape, right? Well, 
try to find a point where the majority of those come together for whatever reason. And sure enough, this deer, he dropped me right there. Like after I looked everything over from a mile this way and a mile this way, he picked that spot and I see why. And it's got big signpost rubs, a lot of deer for a lot of years. I mean, half the tree's gone. They're, they're rubbed in, you know, like, it's like, how's this thing even alive? But every deer that comes by there, you know, he wants to stick his face on it, rub on it a little bit. I think deer travel a great distance. And I think they over, well, yeah, that's a great indicator that, uh, you have multiple deer overlapping each other's areas on a big signpost rub like that. Right. They're all kind of all hitting that saying, Hey, jerk off. I'm here. Hey, jerk off. I'm here. Um, I, that's where I want to be. You know, I, I feel like if you're a rut hunter, um, you know, you want to be where your best opportunity is to see daylight movement of a deer. Uh, there's also, there's a little bump of elevation just inside the swamp there. And when I say a little bump, it's maybe, it's maybe 80 yards by 40 yards up out of the water. And it's, so, you know, mature trees and soil in there, it's pretty flat. Well, he led me through there too. And when I was in there, I noticed right away, I'm like, oh, there's a scrape. There's a scrape. There's a scrape. So, and there was some, some deadfall and stuff in there, but they were still going in there to leave sign base. Essentially, it, it was kind of a, a draw to them to go in there and be able to lay sign because to the north of them, it, to the north and to the east and to the west, if they didn't want to come across the river and go up into that timber, it's for a mile. Every direction is just cedar swamp and wet. So it was like highly concentrated that deer, you know, they want to use that to, to leave sign. So I went back in there in the spring and I actually cleaned it up a little bit. Uh, some of the deadfall, I broke it up and cleared out some nice paths for them to be able to come in and out. And then I really open those scrapes up and I plan on going up when we go up for the youth hunt or not the youth hunt. I'm sorry for the antlerless hunt. I plan on bombing out there and throwing a camera. I just got some of that buck fever stuff in the mail. So I'm going to spice my scrapes up with that and see how uh, just kind of my, I've never ran a camera back in there. So that's going to obviously tell me a lot. And then I just, I'm, I'm confident from everything that I've seen that that's as good of a spot as I, I have, you know, and the other thing is it's tough to get to. And I didn't see any, any sign of anybody hunt within four or five, eh, five, 600 yards of that spot. So I feel real good about it. I don't know. Does that answer your. Yeah. I mean, so that's one of the things where, you know, you laid it out to one of those things where I feel like we see that a lot in, you know, so bucks will either go back to their bed, right? Like that. So they want to go back to where they feel they're safe. But in this case, cause you said that deer wasn't mortally wounded, right? Didn't get through the shoulder. Yeah. So do you think that deer was just going about his business saying like, he I got to go find me some does and he, he just ended up, right where it was all happening i tracked blood about 
80 yards, you know, and it, and it really started to open up. And then I got to a spot and I was like, Oh, this is spicy. Like this, this, this is in my head still at this point, I'm, I'm thinking there's a possibility that I got through the shoulder and I'm going to find this deer within a hundred yards. Cause I heart punched him. But in the back of my head, I kind of thought it was going to be a long blood trail that I wasn't going to find a deer. Cause I saw how much of the arrow was out of him when he ran away. And I knew it was a big deer, but I didn't really register it until I saw him explode and run and saw just like ripples of muscle and fat and mass when he like folded up and turned and ran. And he actually ran through like a big down pine tree that was fully rotten. I mean, it looked like a missile hit it thing just blew up into shrapnel. He ran right through it. He's just throwing grass and dirt everywhere. He exploded out of there, but I got about that distance and there was a good, there's a lot of blood. And I'm like, all right, this could be good, you know? And I think that was initially what, where he stopped running from when I hit him and he just stopped and he stood there for a couple minutes, assessed to what happened, what's in my shoulder, what the hell. And then I think he just decided I'm going to go about my business. Uh, I waited probably, it was probably 30 minutes before I really kind of got on, you know, the trail. Um, I knew that deer was either dead or not mortally wounded. It wasn't a thing where I was like, oh, liver hit him. I got to wait. I'm going right now. And uh, I also... I thought I'd entertain the idea of reaching out to some of my local contacts and getting a dog. But after I got the couple hundred yards, I knew that that deer, or I fully assumed the way that the deer was traversing the landscape. I never saw him and I, dude, I'm moving. Like, I'm like, I'm catching up with this thing because he's not laying down. Maybe I can catch up to him, catch him slipping was never the case dude i think he was just clipping through that swamp they can move through it a lot faster than you or i can uh and he covered a shitload of distance in a pretty short amount of time and uh i don't know i did not find the arrow i never found the arrow i never found a part of the arrow so i don't know if that arrow still stuck in him or it fell out you know a couple hundred yards after or a week after or whatever that situation is but uh uh, there's a chance that I'll run into him here this year in that spot around those dates. Cause I think that's his, that's his route, you know, unless somebody else killed him last year, but other deer are using that route, that route too. So from that sense, and that's like, from a listener standpoint, like one of the questions that I think automatically comes to mind is like, how are you going to hunt that? Or, I mean, obviously your camera is going to kind of tell you like, what's going on there but like obviously the spot you picked where you had that encounter and you you know ultimately hit that deer that led you there like are you abandoning that spot and just diving right in are you gonna like kind of like hunt that hub and up and down that river bottom along those trails i mean are you hunting it more than one time like i'm always focused on where i feel like my highest percentage of odds are and I feel like this spot that I was led to has a higher percentage of odds than the spot that I was in. You know, the camera will be part of it, but the camera is not actually like even within 
kill range exactly like i'm not sitting Mm -hmm. on top of the camera i have the camera situated in a position uh over the scrapes and i'm not sitting right over the scrapes i'm sitting just outside of that thick cover for to catch the deer basically going in and out of it um because they're really it's so tight and so thick on that little island i mean i would trust me i i I would have liked to have sit and be sitting over those but it was just with the way the winds swirl around in a, a river bottom like that um the way the thermals can change with the temperature i didn't I don't want to burn it out, burn it up. I don't want them to know that I'm there. So I'm just coming in, sitting right on the edge of it. I got my entry and exit situated to where I'm basically coming out on a little bit of a point, um, almost an oxbow. And I'm, you know, I'm walking miles up through the mature forest. And then I'm just diving right down, like strategically straight straight line basically right through and right into the back side of my stand and i'm just on the edge of all the the thick so i don't suspect that deer are gonna know that i'm there uh the the tree that i have set up is sick i got ridiculously good cover and these deer are moving around through there they 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 you know no no person has ever been in there and seen these deer move through there as far as they know uh, well, I intend to change that. So if I got good entry and exit and I don't suspect, like see like that I'm impacting the deer, like if I'm getting busted left and right, cause my wind's not right. I might look to do something else, but if a spot's hot, man, I run the hot hand. And a lot of times it's just a, you know, you could sit there, uh, you know, the first day and maybe see three does. And you're like, do I move the next day? I don't know. You know, I really oftentimes go with my gut. And if I just feel like this is a hot hand, you know, you might have to sit um, three. I kind of like the the three sits, you know, a morning, an evening, and another morning, or, you know, an evening, a morning, and another evening. If I sit three sits and I don't see what I want to see, then I kind of get into like, all right, I need to do something different mode, but there has to be a little level of patience because there's not deer everywhere. There's not, uh, you know, there's not an excessive amount of mature deer. They don't, you know, even bucks for that there, I'd feel like the competition isn't driving them crazy where they got to be running around recklessly. Right. So there's got to be a little patience as far as that goes, but yeah, if it's if I sit a spot like three sits, you know, I'm if I'm up on a th- three day or a four day weekend or whatever, I've got pretty limited time. So then I got to think and look and try to see. And a lot of times nowadays, you know, I'll just get get down and I'll get walking and uh, I'll go, you know, a couple hundred yards or whatever. I'll be like, this is better. I'm glad I moved. Um, yeah, I've gotten a lot better at being defined better spots i have a i used to have a pretty low percentage of like i i do a lot of walking and looking and not find shit uh but you spend enough time doing that and then studying the map back i think people i hear people say they look at maps and get figured out before they get in there i gotta get in there and then look at the map and then i 
then I tend to understand it, but I still like to have my boots on the ground, you know, and that's a big thing for me too, is going in the spring, uh, prepping a, having a tree like ready. I use the, the bright eyes. I don't leave a trail of the bright eyes, but I throw a couple in the exact tree that I'm hunting in so that when I get within, you know, 40 yards, I can kind of just scan with my headlamp and that thing hits me. And I'm like, boom, I'm not monkeying around, walking around, trying to find the exact tree. That's what burned me last year. Uh, I went into that area and I had, did not go in in the spring and pick out exact tree. I had scouted that the previous fall. I knew that the wind was right for it. And I had another plan in the morning, but it got screwed up because somebody else was hunting there. So this was plan B. And when I went in there and I pulled up my map, I had walked 10 or 15 yards farther than where, what, where I needed to hang my stand. I, I walked basically kind of right on, on the trail that I assumed that they would be traveling on. And I mean, it was getting, you know, it was starting to break day. Uh, like I said, this was plan B. So it cost me a bunch of time already. Like I needed to get in a tree and get set up. So I still felt pretty good about the spot, but the whole time in my head that I was in my head, that that ground scent was down there and I was already playing a crosswind, uh, a parallel wind. So I was already super sketchy on my wind. I'm dropping milkweed all morning. Sometimes I'm watching it kind of float like right down the trail. I'm expecting them to come, but 90% of the time it was just missing. Um, it was just missing enough for me to be comfortable to feel like if a deer comes through here, I think he'll get through here. Uh, but I had that little bit of scent out in front of me and I was, that was in my head the whole time. And when that deer came in, he walked behind a tree. I drew, he could have caught a little bit of movement. He could have caught a little bit of noise, just my jacket, you know, sleeve of a jacket. It's we're out in the middle of nowhere. It's dead silent, but he's, he's moving. Uh, or he caught my ground scent because he stopped behind that tree and he, my reading of it was he has a level of concern right now. Uh, so I'm getting anchored in and if he starts walking again, which in hindsight, honestly, if I think if I maybe had been a little more patient, I don't, I will never know. He could have turned. He, if he had my scent, I, in my head, I'm thinking right now, he's going to turn, walk directly away from me in that swamp. I have nothing. He could have also flicked his tail and just continued to walk. And I had a big enough lane. You could have drove a car through and he would have been at, 15 yards. And I feel like I would have just wrecked him. but I'm sitting there. He's stopped. He's looking around and I'm thinking, man, there's a percentage of a chance this deer is going to boogie and I'm getting my, you know, I'm getting anchored in. I'm looking through my peep. I've got my, you know, my sight all centered and I'm looking and I'm like, well, that's the back of his shoulder and I can see it clear as day. Uh, and I'm pretty confident in my shooting abilities. So let's do this. And, uh, so I just started to squeeze off and the arrow went, it looked awesome. And then all of a sudden ping, 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 ping. And, uh, in hindsight, when I got down and looked, there was a little small crossing limb that I just, I just simply couldn't see from, it was small and it was at, you know, whatever, 12 yards, uh, in between the crotches of a couple darker trees, never saw it. 
it clipped it and it made that arrow go all crazy and hit him in the shoulder. But that's the little mistake that I said, you know, I feel like if I, I would have had a completely different mentality if I knew my ground scent wasn't out in front of me because a little bit of movement birds move around in the trees. I've had deer lock up when I draw before and you're just sitting there and then they flick their tail and they come because they're seeing blue jays and squirrels move around in the trees all the time. They'll stop and they'll be a little concerned, but if they don't, if they smell you, it's, there's no like flicking the tail and keep going, dude, they're done. They turn inside out up there. Cause they, they're not, you know, they're not, it's not your backyard where they smell your feet uh, every now and then or whatever. It is not cool with them at any capacity and they lose their shit. And I was concerned that that was exactly what was going to happen. If I hadn't walked out in front of that, I don't think I would have been thinking that. I think I might've been more patient and let him walk. And I would have killed the biggest deer of my life with a bow. It's tearing me up. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. we've all been there i mean and it it sucks i mean the one the biggest year i you know i ended up recovering him next day but it was same thing like he he did this and that to me (laughs) is when they start to do this exactly so exactly put it on his throat patch and i shot him right through the neck like through basically where it would be on us the collarbone but that arrow was sticking out you know 18 inches and i'm like i shot him in the face like i shot him in the face it's the biggest deer i've ever seen in my life and the arrow's like going like this and yeah uh, but we luckily we found him the next day uh, that's why that's great but i mean i've been in another situation where i learned so much like I, I i built so much confidence like i saw a buck in a field and i was like looked at the map and i was like he's coming out here he's got to be bedded in there stiff crosswind come across the field you know just like indian sneaking across this open field get up in there and wind was great there's a little thing but i still was using my climber and there's no trees i could hunt in i took one step out into that crosswind mm-hmm. and that deer stood up 60 yards from me if i had just stayed right there i could just stayed there on the ground and he did right. just stood up and walked right out, but it's yeah. those things where you look like, I mean, I can, I'm sure just like you can, I can see that deer's rack. I can see that deer's face. Like, you know, like I, but I learned so much and, you know, like I said, like, you know, you, you have a good, a great mindset from this is like, you know, if that wouldn't have happened, you wouldn't have been able to find this other spot and that deer, you know, it sounds like ultimately lived. So, you know, you just got to, 
you got to take what the what the woods yep. gives you at some point, you know. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I was upset for a while, and I, uh, you know, I still just. What bothers me is that I'll never know if that deer was going to boogie or walk through there. I'll never know because maybe I jumped the gun. I can't say that I made the right move because I didn't kill that deer. So in my head, I've kind of deferred to you. You you didn't do it, man. You made the wrong move. I don't know, uh, but I'm not going to sit around and dwell on it. And it's thankful that, you know, killing a big deer isn't going to make or break my season. So I'm just, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to learn from it, take what I can, uh, and move on and get better. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping how it's going to work out. If I hit another big one in the shoulder this year, I might kill myself, (laughs) but Hey, I, but I think like, and let's, maybe let's kind of close out on that. Like, I think, I think not you killing yourself, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> thanks. I know it was a little harsh and, and that's probably not the truth, but I'll tell you if that happens, if that, if that happens to me again, and, uh, and, and I know probably at some point it, 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 it could, but if it happens this year, um, I'm going to maybe have to seek counseling. I won't kill myself. I'll seek counseling first, Re- reevaluate some things, but I think, in what you said there, like one of the most like prolific things, I think, and I think it's amazing that you have, you know, the platform that you do and you're able to have the minds that you do and then to be able to articulate it. You know, you said, if I don't kill a big buck this year, it doesn't make or break my season. And I think that there's so many people that are getting into this or trying to, um, kind of like overstep their abilities, like right out of the gate. Right. I mean, yeah, I, I come on here and I say, you know, I'm the world's worst bow hunter. And I love to talk to people that are better hunters than me because I'm learning. Um, and I've been asked the question on other podcasts, like, you know, do you feel any pressure? And I'm like, no, I, I mean, when I started this, like it was a, nobody was doing a podcast about not killing anything. So that like, I have a very low bar to, to hit right? I don't feel any pressure. I love going out and like your 10 deer hunt, right? Like where you went out to a spot where you thought the deer would be and they are like that to me is the most satisfying thing of, of all of it, because that is like validation that you can do it without all the crap that TV shows you that you have to buy or without all the gear or whatever. Like you can walk in the woods and say, this looks like a place where deer are going to be. And so like, for you in the space of all of the hunting industry, like how do you like keep that same mentality? Right. Uh, so I'll say this first off, you, you, you mentioned a lot of people seem to be driven by that. And I think that's because that's what they're sold that, that what this is all about. I see that with the younger guys. I, 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 you know, I always wanted to kill bigger big deer but it just never i was never real i'm not and i'm still not to this day like real competitive about it you know for whatever reason i'm competitive about about everything else but the deer hunting thing for me is bigger than that and it's personal right so you know why you haven't seen a whole lot of hunting videos produced about storming around on state land in northern michigan and guys shooting does because it's 
really freaking hard to do. Uh, go to a managed farm and the, I want to be diligent about how I say this because I enjoy all that type of hunting as well. It's fun and it's cool. And I, I, I just, I, I enjoy the fact that some people like to do it that way. But for me, I feel like the, the, you know, the tough thing about that is securing the finances to secure the property. Cause once you got the do, once you got the keys, the toughest part of your hunts, getting the blind window open without the deer seeing you. And I am fine. If someone wanted to debate or argue that what they're doing is more difficult than what I'm doing, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm very much wanting to, it's kind of a primal thing, man. I want to get down and hunt something down. I want to test my skills. I want to be out in the wilderness and it's not, you know, especially if you're trying to film, you know, and and let's be, let's be real clear about that. Uh, Most of the guys in this, the people in this space that create content film and it's not conducive to film to go to spots where there's not a lot of, I mean, I saw that one buck that morning and I would not have time to get a camera. No way. Even if I had a cameraman there with me, it would have been tough. I've done that and it's tough. So I've just come to recognize, I feel like that I'm like, this is a tough challenge and I'm into it. I'm here for it. At some point, I'm going to wreck a big deer up there and I'm going to be able to say, man, I took the hard path here. I don't need to do this every season, but I can prove to myself that I, I can do it. And, you know, I don't know, man, I grew up on Fred Bear, Ted Nugent. It's just cool to shoot deer. It's cool to be a good archer and be proficient and to run an arrow right through the heart of a deer without it ever knowing you're there and give that thing the most merciful death that it could ever possibly have in nature. Dude, nature's brutal, right? Their teeth rot out. They starve to death. It's not good. The vegans are got it all wrong. We're the good guys. Promise you. Uh, so I, you know, short blood trails or something that I'm, I'm into. So, and I can get those no matter how big the size of the deer is or that, you know, and I feel like that's a good, good hunter does, you know, when I see a piece of content of somebody running a giant mechanical broadhead through the guts of a deer at 20 yards and doesn't even get the penetration out to the other side, I'm like, I don't know. You know, there's a scale there about how you want to measure your levels of success as a bow hunter. You know, cool. You wrecked a big buck, shot him through the guts, didn't even get a pass through. And you're promoting things that other people are going to mimic what you do. You know, those aren't the results I want. So yeah, man, for me, it's, it's just a real personal endeavor. It's my, uh, it's a place that I kind of go to remain sane. So it's, you know, it's real special to me in that aspect. And, and honestly, that's as valuable to me as everything is just being able to get out in the wilderness and kind of zen out whatever you got to do. You know, I do a lot of, you know, I, I'm with my family all the time. Uh, that's a double-edged sword, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, I got young kids and a wife and everybody's really busy, but we're together all the time. And there's, uh, some times where I'm just like, dude, this is ridiculous. What, what, what am I doing? What, you know, what am I doing here? Uh, but I get away from those guys for 24, 48 hours out in the woods with, and I'll go a couple of days without talking to anybody. 
Think about the last time you went a couple of days without talking to anybody. Dude, your brain just starts playing tricks on you. I miss my family like crazy. I get I come home just more grateful for what I got. It's good for me, kind of wash my soul. We always call it filling up the spirit meter. Got to go up there and like hook the pump up and fill the spirit tank back up. You know, and that's what that place does for me. So I get a full tank, killing a couple deer, definitely gets her topped off with some premium, you know. Uh and I'm just, I feel like I'm always in the game on a big one too. You know, I feel like I'm never going out there thinking I'm not going to have a chance at a, a deer, you know, worth shooting here tonight. Sometimes that mentality is just like, man, it's late season. It's really tough to get on deer. If I get a doe killed today, dude, we're celebrating, uh, you know, November 7th, that's a different attitude. Um, I'm looking for a different thing. You know, so it was a whole sliding scale throughout the season. We're going up on this early season bow hunt, like October 8th through the 12th. Lull, basically, right? Uh, and I can't guarantee that if a spike or a four point is munching acorns peacefully out in front of me and has no clue that I'm there and he turns broadside and he's just like looking all pristine and we got a camp full of guys and it's tough hunting. I might kill the first year and a half old buck that I've killed in a very long time. Uh, you can't pat, be very picky if you want to shoot six deer in a season and you're working and got a family and stuff. And um, so I don't know, sliding scale, right? It just is all about how I feel. I'm not too concerned about what other people think because they really don't, they don't affect my life in any capacity, you know? So, but my kids having healthy food to eat, and my grocery bill sure the hell does, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. So, uh, getting deer meat in the freezer right now is a big win for everybody. Mom's happy. Kids are happy. I love venison. Uh, I love to eat meat. I would eat meat three meals a day, every meat, every pretty much every day of the week, to be honest with you. Um, that's relatively unaffordable right now. Uh, and I just like venison the best. So it works out great for me in that capacity. We got a lot of state land. We got a lot of deer. We got a lot to be thankful for as Michigan deer hunters. And, uh, I think selectively people are getting a little more picky and I think that's cool. I think our community is growing through all these podcasts, you know, um, platforms like yours, you got Dave Thomas's bow hunter planet, uh, shirt on. That's cool. I was going to comment on that earlier. Uh, you know, we got a lot of great content and a lot of great minds here in the state that are, we, none of us really bicker or argue or dislike each other. Uh, it, and it's a big growing community and everybody's benefiting from that. And I, th- I think as everybody collectively gets better at deer hunting, they'll pass that year and a half old buck or that two and a half old buck. Cause they, you know, they've been growing up on this stuff, man. They're ready to take that next step. And I think, you know, we're starting to see that. And I think that's going to get better. Um, you know, whatever the state, however the state's going to manage. I don't know if anybody's paying attention to how government operates, but I'm thinking we could do a better job. You know, if we just channel our inner libertarians, uh, and say, yeah, these guys are all clowns. This is all we need to kind of do collectively as a community. And not everybody's going to do it. You can't crucify the ones that aren't, right? This is not even worth having the argument. But just know collectively as a group, we're kind of all improving this thing. And it's going to get it's going to get better, I think, you know, as long as the uh, crazy 
Yahoo anti hunters, uh, you know, we slow those jerk offs down, uh, and have them stop chipping away at hunting rights, but you know, they'll have a fight on their hands when they come to this state. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. The, the, the culture here is so rich outside of, you know, two cities. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. So uh, beyond that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And I'll tell you the honest truth. You spend time in both those cities. There's a probably majority, probably a large majority of people support hunting. It's just the loud, organized yahoos. And that's what they are. Um, they tend to be people of low moral integrity and not very kind and just looking for something to bitch about because they don't have their own life, their lives in order. And there's not that many of those people. They just, they get amplified. But I spent a lot of time in Detroit and a lot of time in Ann Arbor. Uh, those are the two. Uh, am I? Yeah. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you wouldn't believe how many people are just like, oh, my grandpa used to deer hurt. My, my uncle used to take me or I used to go. And people are cool with it. You know, and I think that like platforms like Renella's is real and Rogan, you know, they've really done us a service to take that person that really wasn't opinionated on it and be like, oh, hunting's actually super like makes sense and is super cool, you know. So we're benefiting from that from those guys too. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, like I say, I I just really love like your take on it because it's really easy you know, to be in this space and see everything and, you know, to talk to all the big buck killers and all these, you know, you right. got Dan Infault coming on and that's like to feel like, Oh, you have to do that. Or like guys listen to that and they think, you know, it's just so easy. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, right. it, it's like, no, it's not. And it's not any fun. And like, you can, you can, fill your spirit meter all you want to, but when you're covered up in fricking sawgrass up to your nipples and you're getting bit by black flies and all that stuff. And you're thinking like, what the hell am I doing out here? Um, and then, you know, three months later, that big buck walks out in front of you and you were right. Um, it, it just changes things. But to, to think that, like it's just going to happen and it's going to be easy or, or whatever it it's, you know, from the straight up like deer hunter perspective, like it isn't about big bucks or anything. It's like about the time in the woods and the experience. And like, like you say, like the, you know, I feel, I feel like one of the, the liberal people are like, what are like the high quality protein? Like, Oh yeah, it's gotta be super fuel for my body. Um, but, you know, in reality, I mean, it's, it's great. You know, it's, it's great food, right? I mean, it's the best. There's and, nothing more nutrient dense. There's just nothing available. That's as nutrient dense and as healthy for you as that quality meat, in my opinion. Yeah. And the size of the deer, I mean, you know, the, they're a little bit more tender. Who cares? That's a yeah, that's good. And been bigger deer, bigger meat, you know, so you win either way. Really? Right. I, I can summarize it for you nicely. And I'll quote uh, one of my hunting mentors uh, and friend, Dan Infault. And it's, he's said this for a long time. You know, it's, it's not about the destination. It's about the route you take to get there. And when you fall in love with the process and this goes outside of hunting too, um, working out, going to work, 
when you figure out a way to fall in love with the process and you're not just like trying to stomach through to get to, let's just say a big deer to post on social media. If that's the only reason you're out there, you're probably not going to love the process. You just, you want the, you want the result, you know, but if you can uh, fall in love with the process, then you're, you're going to continue to do it and enjoy it. And that's just a way of looking at really basically a way of looking at life, to be honest with you. And deer hunting's taught me that if you can fall in love with this path that you're navigating. Um, and when you get to a destination, cool, check it off your list. Let's go to another one. Let's do Let's go. Let's grow. Let's go. Um, I think that that's pretty powerful. It's been good for me, you know? So yeah, man, uh, <laughs> it's a hard fought path sometimes, but I will, I will, t- I will say this and we can close out on this if you'd like, is that I'm always having fun. If I'm, if I'm not enjoying myself, I will sit myself down and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Yes. Sometimes you just got to do some sucky stuff because you got to get across that bridge. Right. But if I'm seriously not enjoying myself, um, I'll just sit down and go, what's why? Okay. It's your fault. You're a grown man. You're making all your own decisions here. Change it. Let's go. What are we doing here? And, uh, that's just been a powerful tool for me as well. So, yeah, I, I love that. And like, I, I was just talking to some people about scouting and like scout, they're like, whoa, it's the worst thing I ever went through. And I'm like, as soon as I get to that point where I'm like, this is awful. I'm like, well, I'm just going to go around or something. They're like, there's no deer worth ruining my whole afternoon. Just trying to cross this hundred yard deal. Like. And it's not that like, I understand sometimes you have to do it, but like, if you don't have to do it, it's like, just don't do it. Like, are you going to hunt in there? Are you going to set up like in the middle of this nasty? Like, no, of course not. No. So find another way. Like sometimes, I, I say, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you got to learn some lessons the hard way, you yeah. know, but, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm always for the most part, man, I'm always enjoying myself. And if I'm not, I make a directive move to get back in that mindset, you know? So, uh, whether that's make taking a break for a minute, making a hot cup of coffee, I usually pack a jet boil around with me. Um, whatever you got to do to just give yourself a little shift in attitude and, uh, enjoy and enjoy yourself, you know? So, uh, that's what I'm focused on. I, I, man, I appreciate you having me on here tonight. I, I'm, I talked a lot, but it's freaking deer season is right here. I'm jacked up. Makes, makes my job easier. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is nice for me because I'm not sitting here freaking out about how I got to drive the conversation. You know, all you, you, it's, you know, yeah. right. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is a yeah. nice spot to be in. Yep. So I appreciate it. <laughs> so, um, like, where can people follow along with like your hunt that you're doing in October and, and all that? Yeah. Stuff? Can they expect yeah. that? And, and yeah. I mean, we did this on video, so check it out on YouTube. I was hoping you were going to wear one of your new shirts that you had for, you got. Yeah. I don't have any here. Stuff. We're doing a, <laughs> we're doing a pre-order. I don't even have any for my, I don't even have for myself yet. And, uh, yeah. So we just redid our entire website. 
Um, so it's deerhunterpodcast.com and everything can be found through there. And yes, there is a handful of videographers coming up north with us. Jordan Brown from Michigan Out of Doors is penciled in to be there uh, with all the intentions of doing an episode for Michigan Out of Doors television. And uh, Aaron Blasey from the fall, who's a really good, I mean, top tier producer. He's coming up there to do some filming. Um, my friend Jordan Susowitz is coming there to do some filming. And yeah, I want to capture uh, a big woods bow camp, just a, a group of guys getting together to do a deer hunt, sit around a campfire. And with collectively with all of us running cameras, you know, we have a much higher percentage of odds of getting a kill or two on video. So our plan is to do a big uh, share of content out through everybody's platforms. So, you know, obviously anybody that knows Dan and fault and the hunting beast, he puts out a lot of YouTube content, you know, and he, he, he gets it out pretty quick nowadays. And so that's going to be cool. Um, not a lot of people. I mean, props to Dan Infault. He's one of the guys that'll just get in there, dude. Like, there's not a ton of people with the um, status of himself for being a big buck killer and has kind of made and staked his claim on that that are going hunting state land in northern Michigan. You know what I mean? So, like, props to him for coming and doing that. And I think it's going to be kind of a special weekend in that regard. I mentioned maybe, you know, that Dan's a friend of mine and a mentor. And uh, I've, I've spent some time with him in the woods uh, doing some bear baiting and scouting and podcasting and shooting bows, but we've never deer hunted together. And so I'm very excited to spend a weekend in camp and deer hunt with him. And we're going to do the first day we're going to scout. We're going to scout and scout and scout, and we're going to film it all. And we're going to share with everybody and Dan's going to tear this stuff apart. Right. I'm going to show him some stuff that I've been looking at. And he's going to say, no, you're stupid. What are we doing? <laughs> we're not doing, what do we do? Cross that off, cross that off. We're not going there. Uh, you know, or we'll get into something. And he said, well, you're onto something here, but we're going to, so it's going to be a very valuable learning experience for me. And then, uh, like I said, everybody's going to kind of share each other's content. And I, I, I don't know exactly what Jordan Susowitz plans on doing. I, I, I'm, Maybe he'll do a little short film or something for the Osable River Outfitters. Uh, I know he was wanting to come that weekend to capture some content to put out through uh, the. Uh, have you been there? Mm -mm. Oh, dude, you know about it? Uh -uh. Well, let me tell you and your audience. Uh, in Mayo, Michigan, there's been a little sporting goods shop for a while now called Osable River Outfitters. It was main right on the main drag. Um, have you been through Mayo? You know, mm -mm. okay. Well, you go up basically 33, uh, you know, off 75, up 33. People that know the Mayo area know the Mayo area. The people that don't, they can look on Google and look where Mayo, Michigan is. They built a giant building <clears throat> just down the road from where the small original building is. And dude, it's a world class outfitter. Like you pull in the parking lot and you're like, this shouldn't exist here. Why is this here? And then you go in and you're like, Oh my God, world-class like outfitting store. They have a whole archery shop, um, a bunch of fishing gear, clothing, high-end optics, sunglasses. It's nicer quality and 
uh, you know, like on par. They, they don't have the inventory that like Cabela's does, but it's not what you think about when you go to like a sporting goods shop in Northern Michigan, you walk in there and you're like, damn, this is nice. And I, I, you know, they just opened, they just did their grand opening this spring. So I don't think a lot of people know about it, but yeah, if you were up and around the Mayo area, even if you're going up and you can make a 30 minute jog and go into uh, ARO, Osable River Outfitters. Uh, you just look up their website, find the directions. It's right off a side road, right, uh, basically kitty corner from the main intersection in town. It's right there, and it's it's badass. So uh, Jordan wants to curate some content for them to kick out. So uh, yeah, I think people will be able to find some stuff there. But yeah, well, on our YouTube, everything through DeerHunterPodcast.com for the for um, yeah, we got some t I, I I don't know if it'll still be operating. Uh, I don't know how quickly you're going to publish this, but we did a t-shirt pre-sale, but we have some other stuff up on our website now. Um, actually, I'm, I'm actually, I'm working on, I hope I have it available before the deer season. I've been working on like a, a technical beanie. I wanted a, a good deer hunting hat. I'm super fussy about my, my hats. Uh, I want them comfortable and to function and, uh, a variety of details, but uh, I won't bore you with them, but, um, I'm hoping to put out a technical deer hunting hat here. So when they come in, I'll uh, hopefully I'll be able to send you a couple. And you can give me some feedback on them. Awesome, but, man. Yeah. Yep. Thank you, man. I appreciate yeah. you having me on. It's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing that hunt, and uh, we'll definitely be following along. So, Good deal. Right. Thanks, dude. Thanks, Adam. to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, i'll be over there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment